that anticipation of waiting and watching that line swing and then when you can feel the fly kind of bouncing on on the rocks is a really cool thing because you know at that point you're like it's about to happen (laughs) yeah dude it's that's what it's all about that's why fishing is so fun is because you there's a lot of moments where you're not killing it and not doing great but the stars just align sometimes and you get that perfect cast you get that perfect swing and the fish happen to be there and they happen to see your fly you just got to pay your dues and the stars will align and things will happen Guys, welcome back to another podcast episode here. Uh, I'm here with my boy Will Phelps, as you guys probably know. And we are in the middle of nowhere, Alberta, Canada. That's right. We're in Canadian land. This place is pretty sweet, dude. Glad to be up here with you. We're sitting next to this beautiful trout stream that I've been up to a few times, and I'm really happy to be sharing with Scotty. And, yeah, I think we're going to dive into this trip that we've been on for the last few days and kind of culminating up to this point and kind of tell a little bit of this, the backstory that you're not going to see in our videos. Yeah, exactly. It's been uh, it's been a grind the last couple of days and we're pretty beat. I know last night when we were sitting at camp, just kind of reflecting on the whole, whole week, we were just like, wow. We talked about fishing today, this morning, and uh, we're like, you know what? Let's just sit around the fire and podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty tired. The legs We're are hurting. <laughs> We've taken some spills and I'm sore. I know my puppy is right here about to fall asleep, which is not normal. She's been running around like crazy. We've been running around like crazy. It's yeah. like it's time to return to the real world. And yeah, I guess we'll we'll share our thoughts on that. But so it's a weird feeling or a weird kind of situation going back into the real world. You know, you're, we've been out here for what, four, five days now and uh living out of the van mm-hmm. and just like we're gonna re-enter and just back to reality for a little yeah it's a crazy feeling when you spend so much time on the river in a row you know five days in a row just not really connected to society in any sort of way i'm not looking at my phone i know you're not really looking at your <laughs> phone and we don't have service and, and uh scotty's phone took a little damage so took a little swim <laughs> it's it's good though those things are good when you're forced to take a break from you know, your normal day-to-day life and then in re-entering it's almost like a little bit of culture shock going back home and going across the border and it's uh it's definitely a different lifestyle and um yeah look forward to going home and and looking through some of this awesome footage we got for you guys over the last few days though that's something i'm definitely looking forward to it's like yeah. opening christmas presents it is dude it's like there's certain times when the filming can slow you down and can kind of be in the in the way of things but like it's so worth it because one is just so fun to capture stuff. And especially when you and I get together and do these trips, it's so fun because we both get it. We know what we're doing. <laughs> kind of know what we're doing. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, then you come back and you have all this footage. You get to like relive these moments and then piece it together into a story. And uh, this time's going to be a little different because over the last what two three years now we've gotten together in the summer and worked on a project mm-hmm. and uh filmed some stuff and just got honestly it's been july every single time yeah it's always july <laughs> which is crazy it's, good. it's our month it's the yeah. best month of the year to be fishing man best my month man um but yeah so you're gonna be putting together a video and then i'm gonna be putting together a video this time which i think yeah. will be be pretty interesting to see like how the it's the same trip same story but it'll be interesting how 
they're pieced together differently. Different perspectives. And I think it'll be cool because like we can each tell the same story from our own perspective and there will be differences. There will be similarities, but in the end, it's really just a fishing trip. You know, we've done some big films together. We've worked on really big projects. We've spent, you know, literally years like the bike pack on planning and executing and editing the whole thing. And this we're like a couple weeks ago. I was like, let's just go fish. Let's just go fish, man. Like it's hard to leave the camera behind for both of us. So naturally we had to film it. Like, it's, <laughs> like that just comes with any big fishing trip I do these days. It's hard not to document it because these experiences are so exciting to me and so fun. And they make such an impact on my life that to have that memory to look back on and also to be there behind the lens and document it, it forces you to, to really observe what's happening and really you get a better understanding of fisheries by using a camera, I think, and, and observing how the fish behave, observing the river, observing the little nuances through the lens. And that's an experience you don't get unless you have a camera. So for me, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with fishing is, is documenting the whole process, whether it's just taking a couple photos or it's making a whole video out of it, like what we're doing. So it's cool because this trip, we're bringing our cameras along, but we're not obviously making a massive film out of this. This isn't like a huge ordeal. It's really just a fishing trip with, that we're just, you know, we're bringing the cameras, we're using our GoPros, and we're just documenting it for fun. Mm -hmm. And there's and that's really the bottom line. We're just, we're just having a good time with it. Yeah. I think for um, so the last couple of years, every trip that I go on, I, I almost try to attach so much significance to the story and to the trip from a storytelling standpoint you know like what's the significance of this what does this mean what does that mean and like trying to tie it all into this like big film but i think the kind of the goal of this trip was like let's just go have a fun bros trip in the mountains let's just go up to canada take the new whip which we'll get into <laughs> in a sec and uh yeah just kind of experience it because i think people there's lots and lots of people out there that do the same thing that we do and want to do the same thing as we do, which is just going out and fishing small creeks, big creeks, whatever it is, and just we happen to document it, you know? And so it's like we don't need to tie a ton of significance to some of the trips that we go on. It's just like, just go have an adventure. And that was the adventure. Yeah, know? exactly. It doesn't have to be this huge, huge deal. You know, anyone can do this. And that's the bottom line is we're just two dudes with cameras. I mean, there's really, it's really nothing special. Anyone can buy a camera and go fishing and buy a fishing license. It's like, that's all we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, dude, sick. Uh, so this trip came about, like we said, a little last minute and it was a little different as well this time because we got a new whip that we've been taking, a new vehicle to trout. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and what we're, what's sitting behind us right here. So as you all can probably see in the frame is the front end of my Ford E350 van. It's a V10. It's got a one ton chassis. It's a beast. And my good friend Bridger, he has one of these vans. He has the shorter version. This one's the longer version, a little bit of an extended rear end. And um, I went camping with him in his van last fall. We went rock climbing near Missoula. And, um, it got, we got rained out. We, we were on a multi-pitch route and we had to bail about three pitches up and go back to his van. And we sat in there while it was pouring rain. And I was like, damn, if we were tent camping, this would really suck right now because it was cold. It was in the fall, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a warm rain. 
and we were sitting in there and I was looking around. I was like, wow, I need one of these things. Like this is, this is what it's all about. Like, cause this enables you to go on adventures for an extended period of time and be comfortable and have a living space similar to like a mini home that requires no setup. And even though my van right now is very bare bones, there's all I've done is put a bed in it. It's basically raw on the inside, just like insulation and material that doesn't look pretty. <laughs> but at the same time, it's functional. All it is is an enclosed space, just like a tent, but on wheels. And to me, that idea um, really like drew me in. I needed, I really wanted something that A, could be a living space, but B, get me to where I wanted to go. Like I'm, I've had my Tacoma for seven years now and it's really hard to give up the off-road ability of that vehicle even though it's not as comfortable to camp in i have the tapuri tent set up it's able to get me to where i want to go and that is a limiting factor with a lot of vans and rvs is they don't have off-road capabilities but this particular model um, after some modifications can be a very capable off-road vehicle and has enough power that I can tow my snowmobiles, I can tow the drift boat. It can, it's basically a do-it-all vehicle. And it's in the early stages right now, as you can see, it's not built out. There's no four-wheel drive system yet, which is to come. We have a lot to do with this van. It's, I haven't had time to do anything this summer because I've just been taking advantage of having the van and taking it fishing as is. And it's been very functional as is. But I need to really buckle down here soon and start the build, which I'm going to document. And you should check out my channel if you haven't. And the, yeah, the please whole... go subscribe to Will's channel <laughs> if you haven't already. I'm sure you guys, most of you guys are, but Phelps on the Fly on YouTube, you can see the whole van build. I'm, ex I'm excited to see it because I think, uh, I, I think this, v this van and like where you're located is like has so much potential, and especially with your channel, it'd be really cool to, to see just like the weekend trips you take and then maybe some bigger trips up to canada or wherever um should be should be rad that's the goal man once this thing's built out i want to go on some really long trips like right now we're kind of getting to the point after three or four days where we're running out of resources we our batteries are dying <laughs> we're running out of water like i definitely need to install the proper systems for a long-term ordeal in this van and that's to come and that's really my limiting factor right now is no electrical system no sink kitchen set up with water and all that sort of stuff so once that's in we're going to be going on some big trips and Hell, maybe I'll sell my house and just live in this thing. <laughs> Actually, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Weekend warrior still. No, that's awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, I was really excited to have that. It obviously played a huge role in this trip and getting us from spot to spot, being a spot for us to, to go to for lunch, to eat, and get out of the sun for a little bit, and then also for, for sleeping each night. Um, but let's start back. Day one, I got into to a whitefish we linked up packed up the van got everything ready to go and hit the road up to canada yeah dude that's one of my favorite parts of any trip is just meeting up and just that stoke is just brewing we're just so giddy to get up here and man like when i picked you up at the airport i was so excited because i haven't been up here and, and fished some of these rivers that i know you knew about there's some rivers like this one that I knew about. So we're basically trading spots. And I was really excited to see what was in store because I know you've had some successful trips up here and so have I. And it's really cool to be able to go on a trip like that where we each kind of know a different spot in a similar area and we get to share different spots with each other that we mm -hmm. haven't fished before. Yeah, dude, I hadn't been back to Canada. I've only been once. 
but I hadn't been back to Canada uh, since 2019 with my boys Adam and Steve. First time I ever came up here, and yeah, we had an incredible bull trout cutthroat trip that just blew my mind, especially from, I didn't even live out west at that point, so I was like, this place is not real. <laughs> what <laughs> is this place? So I've been I've been itching to come up here for years now, and COVID obviously hit, and so there was a lot of issues with getting over the border over the last couple of years. But dude, the stars aligned, and uh, we were able to come out here. We had like, I guess we had a couple rivers pinned that we were thinking about fishing in different provinces, you know, BC and Alberta, and there was a lot of options, but we kind of just had to get up here and figure it out. And that's what happened, man. We had plans to fish. A number of things and a number of those that we never even touched and it just kind of came to fruition like when we went out to the the second river we fished like we didn't plan on spending another day there but it was just so good we had to call an audible and do it like and that's the beauty of just going on a fishing trip with your bro and not having any set plan or or you know script for a film or anything like that so you can just kind of free ball it and do whatever and that's what we did and that's that's the beauty of just summer fly fishing that's how that's what brought me out west initially was just living out of my truck and just going from place to place following the hatches hearing what's good and then just going over and checking it out and that's you just go exploring and, and you don't have a schedule it leaves options open that you wouldn't otherwise know that they even were options until you're out there experiencing it mm-hmm yeah, there's there's a beauty in just leaving some flexibility in your schedule. And, like, it's easy to have too much of a plan and be too fixated on, okay, day one we're doing this, day two we're doing this, et cetera. But I think we, we left a little wiggle room for that exact thing to happen. It's like, let's go check these streams out and kind of follow what's hot, you know. And instead, I, I feel like, too, a lot of times planning out too many streams is is a downfall because you, you try to fish too many pieces of water when you should actually just focus in on a couple you know and like really get those dialed in yeah it takes time to really dial in a stream and it's, especially with technical rivers so these rivers where we've been fishing for native fish are typically less technical than say like a brown trout spring creek and um you know i've been places where it takes a week to catch a fish a trout yeah and a lot of it does come down to my angling skills. Yeah. But at the same time, it takes takes a little bit of development to, like, dial it in. And when you're up here, especially in a, in a different country and you don't get to spend much time here, you know, it's really hard to get to a place and just immediately start, like, catching fish. And luckily for us, like, we kind of did that. <laughs> <laughs> it usually doesn't happen for us. <laughs> Yeah, but that enables us to fish three different rivers in four days because after a day or two on each river, we're like, wow, I'm good on that. Like, we did, that's what we came here to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that allowed us to get, have a little bit of freedom. But sometimes you get to a river and day one is just a complete bust. But it, sometimes it's not necessarily the fishery that's a bust. It's You just got to figure it out. And it takes a couple of days. Yeah. There's so many factors that, uh, that go into it. But let's start at, like, day one. We rolled into BC, run us through kind of the program that day, getting our permits, uh, you know, all the regulations and what that looked like for, for us. Yeah, that's one thing that has kind of held me back from going to BC's. Like the permitting system is a little bit more challenging than Alberta. In BC, you have to get 
your provincial license, first of all, which is basically like, say I live in Montana, your Montana fishing license, just for the state or the province. And then your classified waters permit is a separate permit that you have to get on top of your provincial license. And that is for the specific river that you're gonna fish. And every day you need a different permit for each river. So say you wanna go fish you know, one, one river and you're on that river that day and it's really good and you have your provincial license and your classified waters license um, and you want to fish that river the next day, you have to go into the shop or go online and get another permit for the next day. So if you're out in the woods and you don't have service and you want to change rivers, well, you're out of luck. You have to go back into service and, and, and get your permit online or go to a fly shop. And, and first of all, I would recommend anyone going to BC for the very first time go to a fly shop before you just go online and buy your permit. We were able to get our online permits after kind of going through the process and understanding it for the next day. But to get a good understanding of the permitting system, I would totally recommend going to a shop, talk to someone that knows something about it, or talk to a local, get some get some knowledge from someone that, that knows what they're talking about because you don't want to make mistakes. I know a lot of people have made mistakes coming over the border and fishing. I've made mistakes, like last time, 100%. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's easy. It's easy to do, and you want to pay attention to the regulations because, obviously, it's it's not in anyone's best interest to be breaking the rules or um, getting any sort of fine. It's just not fun. You don't want to deal with that, and also, it's better for the fisheries to respect the the local regulations and and go about it that way. So, after we got our permits for fishing in BC, we went out and fished our first day on um, the Beep River. <laughs> Brought out the drift boat. Brought out the drift boat. <laughs> And that was really cool fishing with the drift boat in Canada for the first time. I've never brought my boat up here, and I've always wanted to. So that was really fun to to get that thing wet and and uh, just do some really casual cutthroat fishing from the boat. And brought the dog along. And fishing from a boat's always a little more casual than walk wading. It was nice to start out easy. Mm-hmm. Just row down a beautiful river, pretty close to the road too. We're not like crazy in the wilderness or anything. And we experienced some really good cutthroat fishing and. Of course, we had some storms rolling in. And yeah, I well, know Scotty could fill us in on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't the chill float the whole way that we thought. Um, yeah, dude, we we uh, I really liked having the float day on the front end just because it was it wasn't a ton of pressure to like catch a bunch of fish or get a bunch of footage. It was like just you and I, and we ran the GoPros and like just had a fun time cutthroat fishing. And then uh, about midway through the day. We start seeing some clouds roll in, and uh, we're like, ooh, it's getting like streamery weather. And out of nowhere, these clouds roll in, starts raining on us, and then freaking hail came in out of, like, it felt like out of nowhere. And it that was the hardest hail I've ever experienced in one of the gnarliest storms that I've ever, like, been outside for with no shelter. Um. It was insane. It hit us so hard. It was, I mean, you could see the wall coming at us from a distance. We looked up. We were like, okay, that's, there's something coming. Because the mountains just disappeared. Yeah. You were looking up the mountains, and one second they were there, and the next they were gone. And then it was one thing that was crazy about that storm to me was just looking at the water and how much hail was coming down and splashing the water. And it looked like a waterfall just like spraying up everywhere because normal raindrops when they hit the water they like they like trickle they make a little splash and it's cute 
but then the hail coming down and these like hard balls of ice it was splashing the water like feet up from the water surface that was insane to see i'd never seen that before in my life <laughs> i remember going from because i had the gopro in my head and i was running it and i remember going i was like looking down and i saw the clouds i was like that's not gonna hit us and then we're fishing the opposite side so i'm not looking and uh, I remember at first, we're like, oh, it's hailing. And it was kind of like, oh, my God, this is crazy laughing to, like, panic, like <laughs> actual panic. When I started hearing you being like, holy shit, holy shit, we got to get to the bank. We got to get shelter. And then it just kept coming in. I was like, it hurt, first of all, hurt really bad <laughs> on my hands and everywhere. And, uh, I mean, if you guys watch the video, you can see how, na- how nasty it was. But It was like pa- getting shot with a paintball gun. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it felt like we were just getting shot with a paintball gun over and over and over. And I tried to use my net as cover, which didn't work. I just <laughs> ended up just putting it on my head, <laughs> just had a basket over my head. And then when we got out of the boat to run to shore, I saw Tally's dog bed in the back, so I grabbed that, and it's like basically a mini trampoline kind of thing. So it deflected. We used that as a shield, and put it over our heads, and just tucked into the bushes. And we were just sitting there, just like in awe of what was happening. It was full-on panic for sure i was it was crazy it was just all hell broke loose we were, we couldn't go to one bank because there were houses there so we only had one other bank that we could go to and they didn't have any trees just a bunch of bushes yeah just, of course <laughs> it was it was kind of wild <laughs> it was really cool though i remember i was just standing under that dog bed waiting for it to end just being like well shit <laughs> we're stuck here here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah unfortunately i lost my or my film camera died after that float got a little wet and uh she's a no she's a goner now and then um didn't get to use the film camera the rest of the trip which is a bummer yeah but oh well it's all right we got to focus on making our films and that's kind of a good thing sometimes is thinning out your camera gear which was a huge theme of this trip i thought that's something i've been really working on this summer is just like simplifying everything down to the max or the min i should say to the core essentials of what I actually need. And like, if we're going to go out and shoot dry fly eats, like, okay, we are shooting dry fly tight shots. Let's not try to switch lenses a bunch of times. And I felt like we were really good about whatever you were using. I was bringing something else. Or if, you know, I had the drone or, you know, you carried the GoPro or the, the tight lens. It was just like a good balance. And, and, um, especially with all the hiking we ended up doing, yeah, for sure. It's really good to just focus on one thing at a time. And, like, again, that came back to our initial theme of the trip. is like we wanted to fish all these rivers, but it's good to just focus on a few. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to spread yourself thin when you're out fly fishing, you know. When you're – you don't – like, it's a, it's a place to be when you're standing in a river, in a place of peace and serenity. And when you have a bunch of stuff running through your mind and a bunch of – and you're juggling all this gear, it kind of takes away from it. So – I'd try and bring gear that doesn't detract from the situation and adds to it. Mm-hmm. And when you just bring one lens and one camera, then you can focus on one thing and you're not juggling all this stuff. And, you know, it goes back to simplifying. And even though my uh, C70 long lens rig isn't necessarily simple, <laughs> yeah. what we were doing was simple. It was just trying to capture a fish coming up and eating a dry fly. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And even the fishing gear was, was slimmed down. You know, obviously the boat day we had, we got to bring whatever, but in terms of the wade days, we wanted to be light. We wanted to like, we just brought a cup essentially of some streamers and some tippet and 
that was it. Yeah, you really need like three streamers and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they'll get destroyed and that's why you want backups, but you want like a heavy one, you want a light one, and then you want like a really heavy one. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> the rat. <laughs> the rat. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, dude, we wrapped up that first float that day and, uh, it was crazy after that hailstorm hit us. I remember just how cold it was. We could see our breath. Remember, it was like hot. Like I was wearing a short sleeve shirt. Oh, it was hot. That earlier that day, I was sweating. We were talking about jumping in the river. Like I was like, dang, I was like rowing down the river, just sweating. And it went from being nineties to like forties. Yeah, just like that. So quick. And these clouds moved in. I remember being we. You and I kind of both looked at each other like, it's streamer time. Let's <laughs> let's throw. We've got some cut there. Let's throw the streamer. And we ran the streamer missed um had a couple bullies come out and eat it which was cool we were just fishing it like uh like we would for brown trout just along the bank you know hitting structure and like pulling it out because most of the streamer fishing we thought we were going to do was just swinging Mm -hmm. and we knew we had to cover some ground with the boat so we just started rowing and fishing it and uh dude that got me really excited getting a couple eats on on the streamer um until we finally ended up sticking one, which was epic. That was epic, <laughs> especially after the rainstorm and everything and seeing all the eats. And it was definitely a build up to that fish. And yeah, seeing you stick that thing and just being on the oars was that got us stoked. That was a great way to cap off an already awesome day of fly fishing. Mm-hmm. You stuck one too. It was <laughs> a little guy. One. <laughs> yeah. You also caught one on the dry. I did, dude. First bully of the trip. <laughs> yeah, first bully of the trip was on a dry fly. Which on a little sweet. dry fly. <laughs> yeah. So we wrapped up our float day, and um, good way we got we got into a bully. So that was a good sign. And decided to move on to the next river that we were going to fish. So we took the van and found a camp spot, which was sweet. Um, big shout out to Onyx for helping us this whole trip and just getting us to place to place and finding campsites and knowing what's public and private that was a huge help for us but then uh yeah we got to wake up the next morning to a gloomy rainy morning and uh this was like this was the day <laughs> it was the day that was the pe- that, w- that was the peak of our our adventure in my opinion i love pulling into a campsite in the dark and not really knowing what's around you and then you wake up and you just feel like you're in BC. You're like, wow, this is what I came here for. And then just seeing the gloomy weather and, and that sort of thing just got us even more stoked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that was that was a good way to wake up, get down on the river. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of had a little adventure down to the river. Like the river we were fishing that morning, um, I mean, the, for the next couple of days had some really tough access. And a lot of these rivers in Canada have deep canyons almost that you have to hike down to access the rivers, which I personally enjoy. And I know Scotty really enjoys the athletic side of the fly fishing. A little suffer fest. A little suffer fest. It's part of the deal, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk a little bit about the fishing what are you what are you thinking yeah oh i should first say too one of the things that and this was like a mistake that we had made the first day last time i came was we didn't like we weren't fully 
within grips of the regulations for flies and fishing and everything. And so in BC, you can only fish one fly barbless. So can't fish a dry drop, can't fish a double dry. You can fish an articulated streamer, but it can't have two hooks. So like that was something that we made sure plan ahead going into this. And um, whether it was tying flies with one hook or just like clipping off the back hook, we had to do that. Um, and as we found, bullies are predatory fish, which we all know, and uh, they will go for the kill. So they're going to eat the head. So a lot of times we'll just keep the top hook instead of the back one. Um, but yeah, dude, we got that first day when we got down there, it was super cloudy. And I remember rolling up to the river and it just being super silty. Yeah. You know, I was thrown off by it at first when we looked at it, I was thinking like, dang, I don't know what to think about this. You know, sometimes it's good for streamers, but sometimes it's not good. You know, I've fished silty rivers and it's been terrible fishing, but I've also fished silty rivers and it's been good fishing. And I know bull trout in particular don't like silty water. It's not good for them. So I didn't know what to think about it. And, um, yeah, I was questioning the whole situation, but I was like, you know what, we're going to fish it anyways and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it didn't take long before we knew what things were like on that river that day. And um, I was just swinging, made my, like, first or second swing, and I hear Scotty yelling from below me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, it was crazy. It It was a big long tail out run just like perfect streamer hole especially for swinging you were running the spay rod and swinging and i was just running the eight weight um single hand with a streamer and so i just told you to go up top and kind of work your way down and i went and fished the tail out and it wasn't but like three casts in and i'm just stripping the fly back not even swinging it just stripping it back boom like such an aggressive eat and we were on um did it it's it's just like one of those things i feel like i've been on so many fishing trips where it takes so long to catch a fish or it's like such a grind to catch a fish so to catch one that early on in the day was really really exciting and just a huge weight off the shoulders you know yeah a huge confidence booster of like we're doing the right things we got into something already it wasn't always gonna it wasn't gonna be like that the entire trip no but we at least got on the board pretty soon which was which was epic yeah sometimes it's a bad spell when you catch a fish right off the bat i've i mean everyone who's probably watching this knows if you catch one at the very beginning of the trip sometimes you don't catch anything for the rest of the trip (laughs) it's just like it's just what happens sometimes but it wasn't it wasn't the case this time around thankfully because you caught another fish right afterwards (laughs) what is it like two casts afterwards or something yeah it's like i heard you yelling again i was like ah all right, I'm not going to go down there with the camera again. We just got another shot. I'm going to keep fishing because I need to catch up to Scotty. He's already got three. I got zero. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I couldn't believe it. Um, Yeah, two back-to-back to to start it off, and that tail out was really exciting. And it just felt good to to have a a strong pull on the end of the rod, to really make that eight weight feel like a five. I mean, in my opinion, I've I've caught smallmouth, and they pull harder than – most freshwater fish, but I think the bull trout, the eat and the fight is probably the best freshwater fish that I've caught up to this point. Um, or the hardest fighting freshwater fish that I've caught, I would say. They're spunky. They got these fish in particular were just very healthy and very spunky. They just dog you. And then they don't really, they don't jump. That's yeah. one thing about bull trout that's interesting is they don't jump like a, 
rainbow trout or brown trout would when they're on the end of your line they'll just dog you and they just they have a different they're a different sort of beast Mm -hmm. without a doubt they just kind of dig they do they dig yeah um yeah so obviously big fan of bull trout but (laughs) those yeah those two two right away were great and then uh yeah the sun peaked out and we I kind of separated from you. I just went downstream. I just kind of kept working and seeing what's going on. And tell me about like the spay and that first morning for, for you and your end. Yeah. So I'm a very novice spay angler. I'm new to it. I've been, I mean, I've, I got that spay rod probably five years ago. And for the first couple of years, like when I first got it, I was really excited on it. It was a new form of fly fishing and just, you know, anytime you get a new rod, you want to fish it. And I realized how hard it was, so I put it away for a while and just didn't really learn, didn't really put the time in necessary to learn how to do it, to cast it well, and I didn't really know much about it. I was just, I didn't have a teacher. No one could teach me. Um, I just didn't know anyone to, that, that did it to, like, learn how to actually spay fish. I would go on the internet and watch videos, but after um, filming with some other folks over the last few years that are really, really advanced spay anglers, uh, like Kevin Feenstra, um, and who else? Probably gonna have to Wait, cut. Was here. it Whitney Gould? Yeah, Whitney Gould. Yeah, yeah. She is one of the best spay casters in the entire world. I think she holds records for spay casting. And I filmed a trout spay class with her for uh, Anchored Outdoors, which y'all should go check out um, if you're interested in learning how to cast a spay rod. There's a lot of good stuff on Anchored Outdoors. But yeah, after fishing with them, it really resparked that that spay the interest for me on my end because I learned how effective it can actually be as a way to target not only salmon and steelhead but also trout species and, of course, bull trout. And I I didn't really know of many people targeting bull trout on spay, but they just seem like the perfect species to fish for, especially living here. We don't have salmon and steelhead um, in Montana. I mean, we have kokanee, which are you know, landlocked salmon. But anyways, with the with the spay rod, it's a really effective way of covering water wade fishing with streamers. Because if anyone's wade fished with an eight weight and a sinking line like Scotty was doing this week, it can be a pain in the butt. When you don't have room to back cast, it's really hard. It's also really hard to control the depth of your fly without stripping it. You have to strip your fly sometimes because you, you can't have... You can't, you can't change your tips as easily as you do on a spay rod. And that's a thing that took me a really long time to figure out was like how important it is to change your weight of your fly and your tip weight. There's all these different tips you can use to control the depth of your swing. Because your swing is always essentially going to be at about the same speed based on the river you're fishing and the speed of the water. So you have to dial in your tip weight and your fly weight to match the speed of the river to achieve the depth you want with your fly. And you're not stripping it, so it's all based on the swing. And with a single-hand rod, you're stripping it, and you can strip faster to fish your fly shallower, or you can not strip it at all to let it sink and go deeper. So you can really effectively control where your fly is in the water column, spay fishing when you're swinging. And not only that, but by spay casting and you know, making a cast, swing your fly, step down. Make a cast, swing your fly, step down. You're basically sweeping the whole run, and you get to present your fly numerous times in a methodical method 
in a methodical manner to the fish that you're really covering that water well. Mm -hmm. And with these bigger rivers, like we were fishing a couple of days ago, it's really hard to cover that water super well with a single hand rod. And not only is it a challenge to cast, it's physically challenging casting that eight weight with your single hand rod, back casting and false casting over and over all day long with an eight weight in a sinking line. Like that's hard. But with a spay rod, it's it's really just one motion that you repeat over and over with your uh, with your two hander, and it's it, and it takes a lot of the pain off your shoulders by just you know doing a simple spay cast. It is a little more challenging with these big big flies we've been fishing. It's hard to to actually get the fly out there sometimes, especially when you have a weighted fly. My the rods I fish aren't quite big enough for the flies. I need to get probably an eight or a nine weight spay rod to effectively fish the flies we're using but for our purposes like i can get away with the six weight and mm -hmm. even the four weight trout spay i've been i caught a fish on that too but i really recommend anyone out there who's wanting to streamer fish from the bank not from a boat spay fishing is a great way to do it um, just on foot for any river, really not these small rivers. Like we were just fishing yesterday for cutties, but some of these, these bigger rivers with these long, deep runs, it's a really effective way of covering water with streamers. And it takes time to learn. There's definitely a learning curve involved. Um, but there's a lot of resources out there to learn and seek out some knowledge from your friends. And, um, it's just a fun way to fish. It's a different way to fish. It, um, you know, it'll take you out of your comfort zone. And it's just like golfing. If anyone out there likes golf spay fishing, <laughs> doing a spay cast is like a golf swing. Sometimes you hit it right down the fairway and you're teed up perfectly for the green. And other times you uh, you take that swing and it ends up in your neighbor's window. <laughs> so it's you'll, so <laughs> you'll experience that spay fishing. But that's part of the fun because it's not only the actual catching of the fish and the fish part of spay fishing that's fun. It's just dialing in your cast and just kind of just getting lost and and being in the moment and just making those casts and trying to perfect it and then eventually your rod gets bent yeah and, and that's just takes the fun to the next level which happened on that first morning for you right you made a little adjustment and, i did uh, it's yeah. the, it was all about the tip it's it all comes down to the tip adjustment and and the fly weight because that first hole that we were fishing Cotty caught scotty caught two fish right off the bat and I was like, dang, I'm not catching them. What's going on? And I swung my fly right through the same spot. I got like a couple little bumps. And all it took was a change. I changed from a T8, which is on the lighter side of a sink tip, to a T14 tip, a five-foot section of float, five-foot section of T14 on that tip, and had a heavy-weighted fly. And that seemed to be the ticket because as soon as I switched tips, it was like two or three casts, and boom. Yeah. Got my first fish. Yeah. And it was it was cool because we um, shout out to our boys Connor and Dylan, um, who I met a couple years ago from through Golden Fly Shop. But we stopped by their place on the way out of town just to talk to them because they've been bull trout fishing a little bit. And they were saying they were just talking about how they've been bumping. You know, you want to like feel your fly bumping the bottom, right? And then every time on that swing, when that fly starts to come up, as if it's a, a fish coming to the surface, right? Like a wounded fish. That's when the bull trout are eating it. So the spay presentation was perfect for what we were doing. It worked so well. And it came to light as 
the next couple of days went on because it I eventually convinced Scotty to grab a spay rod <laughs> and, and make make a little bit of a switch there at the end. But it it was it was just such an effective way for especially some of these long like inside bends where you have a really consistent current and you can just swing and I don't know, there's just something beautiful about it. It's just such a such an enjoyable way to fish and just stand there and you're just like anticipating that take. And when you have your line swinging out and, and you have that really good belly and your line, you have a really good feel for what's on the end of your line. You can feel that fly in the current. And even the slightest bump, like you can feel it when the fish. You just feel it. it in your stomach. You're like, oh, you're it's like, going to happen. Oh, it's going to oh. happen. Because <laughs> they'll hit, like some of these fish will hit it a couple of times before they actually take the fly. So like you kind of know when you're in the zone, you're like, okay, 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 there's a fish. And you make another cast, you're like, okay, this could be it. And then boom, there it is. It takes another swing at it and, yeah. and it's game on. And like having that really good feel for your fly um, just makes it such an electric take. When, even though it's not visual in a lot of ways, it can be visual, but my favorite forms of fly fishing have always been the visual take, you know, the dry fly take, you know, you're on the saltwater flats, you see like that permit or that bonefish eat your fly and you set the hook. But a lot of times with spay fishing, it's not as visual. You have to imagine it. It's like a feel. It's a feel, but it's almost as fun just getting the take like even though it's not visual like other ways of fly fishing it's just as exciting as a visual take because it's so powerful when you're already tight to that fly swinging you already have that really good feel for the fly and then it eats it and you just it's electric it's just an addicting feeling and now i just want to like spay fish forever (laughs) yeah dude i felt like it was like a i don't know a not like an eye-opening experience but it was it was you were just like so stoked about spay fishing. You know, you had a, after the first day of fishing, you're like, I need to do this more. <laughs> and like, this is the place to do it. It is. It's, it's something about it. It's just really, a really fun form of, of fly fishing. And it, it's all about the take and the cast and you're effectively covering water and you know that you're covering the water too, which is also cool. And, um, I don't know, just using that two handed rod. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were like, hey, do you want to try it? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it a little bit, do it a little bit. And I, I kept being stubborn about it. I tried it the first day for a little bit, and I just was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> being stubborn. I was, was being really stubborn, you. especially have, having some success in that one-handed rod. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm good. But uh, so we, we ended up going through the day. The rest of the day, you just kept fishing the spay rod. Mm-hmm. I fished the the single-hander. Um all the fish that I caught that day were all on the strip. Like it was all kind of a swing, but I was stripping it back is when they ate it. And all the fish you caught just for, for the most part was on that swing. swing. Yeah. Um, and so the, I found, found like the different holes that we were fishing. One was more effective than the other, like the pocket water stuff that where I could strip it through, um, was really effective for the, the eight weight. Yep. And then all the big, long sweeping holes with the big tail outs, that's when you were getting most of your eats. That's very true. There's, there's some pockets that were very fishy that we were walking along and I tried to fish them with the spay and it's hard because you can't really trout set with the spay rod. You have to, you have to, you have to either get them on the swing or strip set it. It's really hard to like trout set because the rods pretty, pretty long and soft. So when you when you try and trout set, you don't really get much leverage on that hook. But in some of those pockets, 
like say that fish eats it right at your feet you can get an effective strip set and trout set with that shorter rod that you wouldn't get with the spay and that makes a huge difference for those those little pockets where you kind of want that shorter rod to be able to control your fly effectively and, and fish it effectively because mm-hmm. you can't really spay cast a pocket you know just well <laughs> we found out <laughs> you kind of can we, you kind of can yeah we happened into one particular fish that was in some pocket water and i was it it was really just luck yeah. i mean that it's hard to catch fish doing the i was just saying how it's really not effective in fishing pocket water but i did catch one in a pocket <laughs> and i was just walking downstream and my fly was just dangling in the water i wasn't even fishing it it was just dangling and i had just left it in the water i was walking downstream with you know just holding my rod out and then i was lifting up the fly to make another cast and of course i i trout set it to fish <laughs> on accident and it was one of the bigger fish of the trip too just right on the bank which was super cool it was in super shallow water right on the bank in a ri- in like a pocket water riffly zone that i wouldn't really expect a fish to really be in mm-hmm. the only reason i was fishing is like all right is the very top of the run might as well start here and work my way down instead of going straight to the juicy water and we very easily could have overlooked that water with that fish in it and just walked right by it and that's what i was doing essentially yeah it just ate the fly and it's so funny on the video because i remember looking and you're like like you you first hooked it and and you thought it was like a log or something so you put your rod back down and you walk forward you know as if it's like stuck on a log and then you lift again oh my god it's a fish (laughs) (laughs) and then it starts fighting um that was a sick eat but yeah i think that first day dude the silty water and everything it uh Man, the fish were sitting so close to the bank. They were. They were all tied to the bank. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like we, when I got them on the swing, they're eating at the very end of the swing. So it makes me think that they're at the very on the bank, and that fly would just swing out from the run, and then eventually get close enough to the bank, then that's when they'd grab it. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That was very different conditions than what we had the next day, and I think that might have affected the fishing a little bit because that water was silty and a little bit higher we checked the the no, i wouldn't say it's not the usgs the canada gauging. yeah we checked the flows of like what the river was doing yeah we checked the flows and it did it had changed drastically and by the end of the day it went from being a brown color to like a blight a bright blue whitish glacial kind of color mm-hmm. and the fishing definitely dropped off because we went and fished some really good water and at the beginning of our second session on that first day we I caught another nice fish right off the bat. Scotty got a big eat from another fish, and we didn't really catch much after that. As soon as the water kind of dropped and the color changed, it it threw things off, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When we walked up to the to the river and from from afar, you know, we had that top down angle because we had to hike all the way down there. We're like, damn, this <laughs> is a new river today. And uh, yeah, so we just had to I don't know we had to fish it and fish it a little differently and i don't know get our just take a little more time i guess mm-hmm. um but eventually we we started running into fish i know usually those bull trout feed pretty heavily in the morning and then it kind of drops off in the afternoon yeah but <clears throat> i felt like that second day or that i guess is our third day here was when um towards towards the afternoon is when stuff really started happening yeah especially for you yeah the third day in the afternoon man it wasn't it wasn't the craziest day of fishing when we started off. It was it, we fished some good holes that 
had a lot of hydraulic flow to them. They were like really not consistent and they looked really good from afar, but we got up to it and there's just kind of like whirlpools and it's hard to effectively fish a fly in that kind of water because you're not getting it down deep enough. The currents are trying to carry your line everywhere and bring your fly up and down in the current. And we got one fish kind of in the tail out of a run. I think it was Scotty's fish, but um, he couldn't really get his fly down to it or something. I was fishing the spay. Maybe that was just a spay spot. And, uh, oh yeah it was right in front of you i was like <laughs> i kind of snuck down on top of you and just like swung right in front of where you're fishing and then got well, well i had fished it right like i had fished You'd it thoroughly fished yeah but it just again it wasn't like i wasn't getting down i guess dude that happened twice that day though you were fishing a spot and i came in behind you and caught fish and i think it kind of came down to the setups we were using mm-hmm. you're fishing the single hand i was fishing the spay and fishing the spay behind you with the swing I hooked fish, and then with the single-hand rod, you, those fish then eat your fly for whatever reason. So that I think it came down to, like, our difference in techniques. Like, maybe the spay is more effective in a lot of situations. Because you would fish an entire run or an entire spot, and I would just come in just to see if anything's still home. And then that happened again later that day. We were fishing a really beautiful spot. I would say, like, probably the most beautiful spot of the entire trip. Yeah. Like, really sick. Had kind of this... A shelf drop off and as the shelf dropped off it formed a channel along that far bank and there's a soft spot there and i think that's where the fish were sitting is right below that drop off in that little channel it's just like a perfect spot for an ambush point and we we're swinging our flies off the drop off or from that shelf into that slower water and right as a drop from that riffle drop off into that little channel where it gets deeper that's where the fish were sitting and you'd fish it thoroughly i was flying the drone for half an hour and we we're trying to get an eat hookup shot and nothing and we're like all right well i guess we're uh we're done here because it turned into a canyon and we couldn't really go much further downstream and we were about to wrap it up and i was like oh, i'll make a few swings through here too with the spay just to see if anything bites and, yeah, we uh, weren't even filming. I just was like, happened to have my GoPro recording. Yeah, you and just was, happened to have it. I was walking upstream to come meet up with you. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy that you even captured this shot, and I'm really excited you did because I did not. I wasn't running my GoPro. I was just kind of fun fishing at that point. I just wanted to cast the spay rod and and just you know see if anything else was home. And lo and behold, got a big eat on the swing. And this one was like in the middle of the run too. This was probably my favorite eat of the whole trip because it was like perfectly in the middle of the swing super big eat went tight immediately didn't have to set the hook just like immediate just like kind of feeling it was electric and the water was also a little bit more clear at that point so it was just super pretty and had that big wall behind us it was just really like probably one of the coolest moments of the trip for me and And it was clear as day too so we could see him fighting the whole time sun was out oh it was it was it was a good moment yeah and and especially after not catching much that day like that kind of like turned things around like oh wait maybe maybe the fishing is still good and uh yeah we got that one to the net and got a couple cool shots of it and released it and we were planning on putting the spay rods away at that point and just doing some cutthroat fishing (laughs) and i was like wait a sec i was was like you know what well (laughs) let me let me try out the spay rod again (laughs) yeah which was really good because I think it uh, I needed to just like spend some time with the spay rod and really get the cast, you know, down. And it was a good good run to do it. And uh, stepped up a little below where you fished, mm-hmm. and uh, swung it through a couple times. And I'm sure, after looking back, 
you know, my cast or whatever. It was not be- it was not pretty by <laughs> any means. It was no April Vokey cast. <laughs> but and, uh, it was really cool to at least kind of do the thing or whatever, um, run through the motions. You got to start somewhere, man. And yeah. honestly, from my perspective, your cast is really natural. Like, it, it didn't take you long to get your fly in the zone. Yeah. And you're definitely fishing it effectively. And I think if you spend some time doing it and next trip maybe, I would recommend, you know, just committing to it because – yeah. You'll you just you, you got to bite the bullet and just and stick with it. You got to stick it out. When you're learning anything new, there's going to be a learning curve. You're not going to be succeeding at first, and you just got to accept that. Yeah. But you're investing in your your later times when you're actually going to be fishing well. You got to you got to just start out, getting your butt kicked, and then eventually, once you put in your time and pay your dues, it'll happen. Yeah. Well, it's definitely out of my comfort zone, and I think that's why I was so hesitant to it at first because I just wanted to stick with the eight weight, knew how to fish that. But it was clearly the superior method for where we were fishing, you know. And uh, lo and behold, after fishing that run a couple times, hooked up on one. And that was so cool. Same kind of situation as yours. Like a little swift water, but like right at that drop off where it is a good ambush point. And man, I just I remember it swinging through and it was like do, do, do. And just like mm. on. And I, like I didn't even have to set the hook and just... Maybe I should have set the hook a little harder <laughs> because I hooked it and then it popped off after about 10 seconds. Yep. But it was at least cool to get the feeling down and feel that bow. And I felt like that cast was like my first one where I felt really good. Like, okay, I have a good rollout and it's really bowing and swinging how I want it to. And, uh, dude, I was, it was addicting. Like that anticipation of waiting and watching that line swing. And then when you can feel the fly kind of bouncing on, on the rocks oh, yeah. is a really cool thing. Cause you know, at that point you're like, it's about to happen. <laughs> you know, you're in the zone. Yeah. And I knew it too. I was, when I was filming you, I even said, you can hear it in the audio. Like, yeah, that was the cast. And then like less than two seconds later, you're hooked up. Yeah. So yeah, dude, it's, that's what it's all about. That's why fishing is so fun is because you, there's a lot of moments where you're not killing it and not doing great, but the stars just align sometimes and you get that perfect cast, you get that perfect swing and the fish happen to be there and they happen to see your fly. You just got to pay your dues and the stars will align and things will happen. Yep. Definitely. If you guys are wondering, uh, well, yeah, it's out. It's okay. If you're wondering why I'm drinking out of a bowl, camp bowl, it's because we forgot our second mug. <laughs> so this is back to the bike pack tendencies or tactics. Um, yeah. So after after that that uh, third day, you know, I feel like from then on it kind of just shut off a little bit. We you stuck a couple fish in the afternoon at the last spot. It was but, definitely slower. Yeah. Out. Yeah. It was slow. And I think that last that last section too was tough with a lot of the hydraulics that we were running into. It just really threw off your swing and like it's pushing so much water up that it like just throws your your line essentially up in the water, which is totally throws off the what the swing's trying to do. Yeah, that braided section had it would be like an eddy on the inside of the bend and then really swift deep current on the outside, and that's not the best swing water because then your line gets a bow in it. And your fly is way downstream of the of your running line, and when you get an eat, you you don't have that tight connection to it. You want mm-hmm. that belly in your fly line, and it's the opposite when it's like that, and it just makes it really hard to fish it. And that's when you really want the single hand rod and just strip it deep, sort of thing. But 
not the best water for for spay fishing and i think we're also closer to the main stem of the river that these fish run up because bull trout are migratory fish which is another reason i think swinging flies is effective for them and um, those fish are probably further upstream and it seemed to be that way when we were fishing those further upstream spots that's where we're running into more fish Mm mm-hmm I think that's a cool element of bull trout and why they're so addicting is because they are migratory and it's a very, and they're, they're migratory from lakes, not from, you know, the ocean, but they, uh, you know, it's such a small window of when you can really target them when they're in the, the right water. And so, uh, when they're there and you can find them, it's like this magic moment, you know, and fortunately we were kind of there in a good time, but what I'm curious too, cause we, we both have been back and forth like, man, like they're just so fun to catch. Like what are your thoughts on bull trout and like why, why they're so addicting? <laughs> yeah. I mean, bull trout are a species that's probably on a lot of people's radar, but in the lower 48, we can't fish for them. Um, mainly because they're, they're a threatened species. They're very vulnerable and susceptible to what humans are doing and building roads and, and houses and developing the land. And when silt enters a, a water a, a watershed, it affects the bull trout because they need really clean, cold water to survive. And us as people have had a huge effect on their declining populations in the lower 48. So it's not very encouraged in my mind to fish for them even there are places where it's where it's acceptable and it's legal and it's totally okay to fish for them but there are also places where you really shouldn't fish for them and you have to respect your local laws and regulations um, because these fish really are sensitive they're very sensitive to handling they're sensitive to being held out of the water Um, they're just sensitive fish they're native and they've been here for way longer than we have, and we just have to respect them as a species. So when I fish for bull trout, it's a very special, almost like a ritual in my mind, because it's not something I'm going to do all the time, because I don't need to go whale on a bunch of native fish that you know, are threatened. Um, and I don't feel the need to do so, but that's what makes it special, actually doing it and and. and, and playing with these fish because when you hold one and you look at it you know that it's been through a lot and it's it's been through a long journey to get to where you're at it survived a long time and and remained a native species in its watershed for a long time and they are very special fish but in canada the populations are very strong here Um, as you go further north there's a lot of a lot of different bull trout fisheries and that's why we're allowed to fish for them here and, and it's totally okay and, um, and it's not frowned upon like it is in other places of the world, but you still have to respect these fish. They are very, very susceptible to handling. We always keep them wet, no hero shots, holding them out of the water. I like to keep, always keep the fish in the water and release it as quickly as possible. Don't handle it for very long, you know, land the fish, put it in the net, take the hook out. And then maybe on the release, just gets a couple in the water shots and then let it go and make sure it swims off mm-hmm. very strong. Barbless hooks, single hook kind of deal. And, um, yeah, they, they, they need to be respected. And anyone who wants to come do this sort of thing, you have to be aware that these fish are very, very special. They are not 
they they are going to eat your fly more often than other species of fish like brown trout that might not be as um, willing to take a fly as a bull trout. You know, they're very willing to take a fly, which makes them more susceptible to, you know, being messed with by people and mishandling because they they're they're very aggressive. That you you guys have seen the flies we're throwing. They're going to eat that. They'll <laughs> yeah. eat that huge thing. Yeah, and they won't just eat it. They're like going in for the kill. <laughs> yeah, they're inhaling that thing. They're going for the kill for sure. <coughs> I'm getting smoked out over here. Yeah, I know. I think uh. Kind of like you were saying, what makes them so special, especially up here, is the places you get to fish for them. And they are these kind of remote, super pristine rivers that are not impacted by humans. And I think it's a special thing to have that like connection almost with like the past and with these native fish that have been here forever. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we, we're not going to be fishing for bull trout every single day. And I think it's like you go... You take, you go and do it enough to where it's like, that was a really cool moment. And I got to share that with those fish and get to like really experience it and then come out the other end, like way more appreciative of the fish and way more apt to wanting to, uh, preserve them and do like, especially with through like the filmmaking. I think you and I both have an opportunity to share this stuff with, with people. Um, because it's not like we're just going up here to catch this super predatory fish that's just fun to catch. Like there's so much more to it yeah. than just catching a big predatory fish. There and is. I think, uh, I hope the, the films kind of show that. And, um, that's kind of the why I would say more so for me, it's just the full experience of like being up here and seeing these places and knowing what is still intact and what we need to protect mm-hmm. and like taking that back into the States and some of our, our rivers there and just having that mindset of like, you know, these places are really important and these fish are really fragile. So let's like, let's do a good job taking care of them. No matter where you go, no matter where you go, you know, it's important to make sure that you're taking proper steps with regulations. And also like ultimately when you're fishing these rivers, it's you're, no one's watching you over your shoulder the whole time. You know, you have to, you have to have your own integrity and, and, and make sure that you're, doing things that that if say a fisheries biologist was watching you that you'd be okay with them watching you do yeah. it like just pretend there's always someone watching because there's i mean there's not always someone watching and, and it's really up to your own personal choices as an angler like am i am i doing this the right way is this is this how i should be handling the fish is this how i should be fishing you know is this am i being respectful am i being a steward to my mm-hmm. environment you know and ultimately yeah, like you're saying, filmmaking is a way to promote being a steward and share with others how we should properly go about experiencing these fisheries and taking care of our landscapes and and um, and keeping these places amazing so that we can continue to experience them for years to come and hopefully improve them because you hear a lot of stories like Pat and Josh, we met yesterday, like they've been fishing here for 30 years. You know, 30 years ago, this was a different fishery. It looked a lot different. There were more fish, according to them. Um, and it's you hear that same story all over the world, what it was like 30 years ago, what it was like 50 years ago. Now it's just gone to shit. You know, you hear that about everything. And there's a lot of negativity around that. And I think there is potential in turning it around and 
protecting these places and also you know doing taking proper steps to 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 make the returns of fish even better like in the lower 48 like you know these bull trout are on the decline and what we really need to do is figure out how to make them be um, growing in population instead of declining in population Mm -hmm. and i don't know how we can do that i don't know if it's even possible but that should be our goal Mm -hmm. yeah i think the the over the shoulder thing you're talking about is really key like having some integrity and because sometimes you just don't know like sometimes people are just i want to catch this fish because i saw someone on youtube catch this big fish like that looks sick i need to catch a big fish but i think um in like the process in, for us going out and targeting these fish and catching them you come away with so much more um appreciation or just uh you're just more aware you're more aware of like what's going on. You're more aware of uh, the you impact are. that we have, and so it's like it's a double-edged sword, right? It's like it we're is. definitely not doing any good like, targeting these fish, no. but at the same time, it's fishermen who are going to be the ones who are actually making steps to take care of them. Because if, if I was just a normal dude and I didn't fish or anything like that, I would care zero about bull trout because I just have no idea. Yeah, exactly. You know? So. Yeah, that's crazy because the only reason we're so aware of it is because we fish. And we would have no idea what's going on unless we were out here fishing for them. Mm-hmm. So there, it is a double-edged sword in that sense because I do feel guilt to some degree fishing for bull trout. There is part of me that's like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. It feels a little dirty almost because I know they're a, f- a very fragile fish and their populations aren't necessarily growing throughout the world. And that part of me makes me a little sad, you know, understanding that. But the 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 joy of doing it and the excitement and the experience for me it outweighs that feeling sometimes, which is why I end up fishing. Yeah, and I think on, like, the macro scale, like, we're looking at a very micro scale of us, intera- our interactions with, like, a couple of bull trout. But if you look at more of the macro of, like, what humans have done in terms of the the silt or polluting rivers or... Uh, dams being put in like there's so many bigger factors that are out of our control that I've realized that I don't feel as guilty fishing from it's like if I were fishing for these every single day I'd be like dude what like some guilt like I totally totally yeah yeah, for sure for sure but I think like on the macro scale there's just more factors that are out of our control but being aware of them is a huge takeaway from this trip and you can apply this to any fishery not just bull trout all fish are susceptible to people messing with them and mishandling them. It doesn't matter what fish it is. Um, Bull trout are just kind of more on the under, under the microscope because they are such a threatened species. But you think about any fish or fishery, the biggest threats to them aren't necessarily fishermen. It's the, 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 the people that control the watershed. It's the mines, it's the logging operations. It's, the developments it's you know all those factors way outweigh the small little experiences we have fishing and handling them you know and that's that's really the biggest takeaway and i think that's the biggest impact we can have on our fisheries in a positive way is getting together as anglers and protecting them and preventing things from affecting the watershed that is the most important versus maybe mishandling a couple fish here and there yeah i mean we even saw in our prairie hopper series in the river we were fishing just how much those uh 
farm irrigation canals, how much water that was taking away from certain parts of the river. It's like insane. it's like those kinds of things. You're like, oh my gosh, that is making a huge impact on the fishery. Yes, you know that is. Those so, are the things that we need to worry about, not necessarily fishing for them or handling the fish. It's the big kind of stuff that you don't think about sometimes yeah. that really has the biggest impact. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean that's that's good stuff. I think for everyone listening, like it's definitely good stuff to be aware of. And like, if you guys are going to target for bull trout or going out to target for bull trout, have a blast doing it, follow the regulations, be aware, talk to your fly shops, just like, just be aware, you know, um, and handle the fish with care. I think that's a huge thing to make sure you're keeping them in the water, use barbless hooks like we were doing. So they just pop out and let them, let them go. They are an incredible species and really fun to target, but you just gotta be, um, just gotta be careful you know tread lightly tread lightly yeah but going back into um kind of our trip here uh we finished off at that river and we decided let's cross the border and head over to alberta yeah check out some new creeks the texas of canada the texas of canada dude (laughs) let's go (laughs) (laughs) it's so good we met these guys uh these guys pat and uh josh on uh on the river here legends just gonna say that they were just like parked in the middle of the middle of this forest service road what fixing their cars something yeah they were just like i think they're packing up camp and just wrapping up fishing and yeah we just had a conversation and um they recognized scotty right off the bat (laughs) and uh we got into a little wildfly talk and um yeah it was cool learning about this area from local a local perspective people that have grown up here you know it's easy to not get that perspective when you're traveling and, and doing things on your own, like DIY style, like we're doing. It's especially out here where there's not many people around, you kind of get in your own little world. So it's cool to meet some, some local folks and, and get their perspective a little bit. Yeah. I just love bumping into good, good people on the river. Those guys are great. Just super genuine, like stoked to be out here. They're probably what in their fifties or something. Just getting after it. Getting after it. Gosh, dude. Such so good cool. dudes. It's cool to see. Yeah, so we uh, we got in here again. We rolled in at night, so we didn't really. You've been here, but I hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen so it. So like waking up. I mean, you guys can kind of see it behind us. This epic valley, and where we're at, there's a river right here, which is down in the canyon, and then there's also a river behind the camera, and they both um, there's a big confluence down there where they meet, and that um, yeah, we we that was kind of our plan originally was you fished. Are kind of around here before, mm-hmm. so we we had an idea, but we kind of opted for something a little different yeah. <laughs> when we saw the river. <laughs> we were like we were trying to get to this first fishing spot, and we never made it there because we just took one look at the river. And Scotty was like, "All right, we're going to fish that," <laughs> <laughs> which ended up being sick, dude. We didn't catch one in that first hole, but we worked up the stream a little ways, and I think it was nice. We we got our bull trout fishing in the the last couple days, and. I felt like we were like, you know what? Let's have a cutthroat day. Let's let's pull out the five weights, yep. throw in some dries, and let's just do some small creek fishing for cutthroat. You know, epic. And of course, like pretty soon after getting out there, man, it just started. They started hammering, it was man. On there were tons of bugs. I mean, all the mayflies were hatching, and golden stones, and caddis. It was just, it was on. It's and prime drakes? time. And drakes, big drakes were on the water. We're throwing big dries, little dries. We were throwing all the dries. 
It was so sick. But the one dry in particular that was slang was the Parachute Adams, the good old Purple Haze. <laughs> Best fly ever. Yeah. Yeah, that was so fun, man. That This last day, or that last day of fishing, just felt like a great way to wrap things up and just low uh, stakes. Just felt like we got our good fishing out of the way and we just could kind of let loose. And we brought one rod and camera. We just kind of switched off back and forth. And that was just like a fun, really fun day of fishing. It's fishing these little parachute atoms and fish oh, just yeah. coming up. Big fish, by the way. Big cuts. Big cuts. We love it. So much fun. I love playing baseball and just like bringing one rod with your bro and taking turns and one person can watch and take pictures or whatever. Like I was just using the camera and then on small water, it's a really good way to do it because when you have two rods out on really small water, sometimes you end up just flogging it and one person walks in front of the other and you play leapfrog and then this fish gets spooked and then it's more fun to experience it together too with one person watching and then you get to see the cool eats that happen and yeah, was, that was epic. That was one of the best cutthroat fishing sessions I've probably ever had, without a doubt. Same. Couldn't believe the the size of fish that were consistently coming up and eating. Consistent. They didn't care we were there either. We just stood there and pulled fish after fish out of the same spot. It was like, what are they doing? They just don't care right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude. Oh, magical day. Um, trying to think where we should go from here. Anything else on your list that we haven't touched on? I feel like we've covered a lot of bases. We have covered a lot. Here we go. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I guess any kind of closing thoughts on this, on that last day that we had of fishing and just the trip in general overall? Yeah, that last day... It, I mean, the second part of the day, it it kind of slowed down a little bit. The fishing was winding down, and I started to kind of feel this emotions of going back to reality and knowing that once we get back to the van, I'm probably going to have to break down my rod and, and pack it away. And that feeling is always bittersweet because at this point in the trip, I'm ready to be done for a few days, you know, take a little break off from fishing and and, and go download all my memory cards and sit in front of the computer and just review this awesome footage we've got. And, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 there comes a time on every fishing trip where it's time to go home and you kind of just reflect on everything that's happened and process it. And, um, this trip in particular was a very special trip. I haven't been on a trip this good to Canada before. Like I've been up here a few times. I'm, I don't live far away from here, but, I think, you know, coming out here during this time of year and and just going at it with just such a clear mind and not having a plan um, just made it such an enjoyable trip, really took the pressure off, and it was a great recharge before going back to the real world and having to, you know, do the dishes and mow the lawn and <laughs> make sure that, everything is good on the home front, you know, and, um, I look forward to it. It's always good to look forward to going back to the real world after a fishing trip. Um, because sometimes I don't look forward to it and, and it's tough to leave, but I think this time around, I feel very satisfied with our experiences and I don't really need much more to be happy. And it's just, it's time. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think coming into it too, our, our expectations and like the pressure a lot of times that we put on ourselves 
before these trips can sometimes like ruin the vibe. You know, if you go in with like, we have to catch a a huge bull trout to make this film or we have to get this shot or like whatever it is. I think we came in with a really good mindset of let's just go see what happens. Let's like low stakes. Let's capture this, you know, everything, but let's not do too intensely. Cause I think you and I both his like in the past, we just film everything and it's still something that we, we, we are working on. We still are working on, but we, I feel like we've gotten, we've come a long ways with knowing the moments that we can pull the camera out and knowing the moments when it's like right to put the camera away and we don't need to capture that. And, uh, so I felt like there was a, a lot better balance on this trip of the filming and fishing, even though it is a grind the whole time. Like we're working, you know, like this is hard work. We're hiking. We probably hiked five miles a day in the, with a lot of vert, a lot of vert. And, uh, I know like on my watch that one day it said like 27, 28,000 steps, which I don't know what that equates to, it's but a that's a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just I I think it's fun when we get together and we get to fish and film and uh we get to kind of push each other, you know. We both have our strengths and weaknesses and I think we like play well with that on these trips. And um there's certain times when like you can carry the weight for certain things like pull out the long lens. Yeah. You're superior at the long lens, like <laughs> getting those crispy eat shots, you know, and like that's your you're so pro at that. So like letting you be in your zone there you know in other moments and i can like film or do whatever when you want to focus on fishing but yeah i always just love that like there's one thing to go fishing but then to have like a bud who also gets camera stuff and gets like the whole youtube thing and want like has the passion for telling these stories is uh is really exciting so i was looking forward to this big time and it was like everything i'd had hoped and dreamed of <laughs> yeah, that's well said that's well said we're, we're a strong team when we get together and anytime we get together to fish i look forward to it no matter what yeah i mean there's always whether it's like no matter how the trip goes there's always going to be an interesting outcome yeah <laughs> whether it's good or whether it's bad it's like i don't want to say it yet but no one's gotten sick this trip which is good <laughs> <laughs> yeah la- oh my gosh we dude. almost always get sick that's so true <laughs> someone always gets sick yeah last time you got covid and the time before i had uh, a stomach I was just bug. like a stomach bug um yeah it turned out pretty good i'm very excited with this trip in particular and we have a few more trips coming up this summer so stay tuned for what we have in store. This is only the beginning. Only the beginning. We've got a lot of exciting things uh, things to come. And we have to wrap this thing up because, unfortunately, I've got to fly home. And we got to get our asses back to the U.S. so I can get to the airport. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, epic trip. Really, really fun to come up here. I'm looking forward to the next one. And uh, I'm excited to see what you put together for your film back at you dude i can't wait to start digging into all our awesome footage and i look forward to doing this again sometime man i know you're not gonna be able to stay away here for from here for very long <laughs> right you'll be back and just, when you do just give me a call i'll pretty much drop whatever i'm doing to come back to canada yes finish. dude sweet well guys go uh make sure you go subscribe to will on youtube and phelps on the fly and you'll be able to see this film i'm sure by this point when the podcast is out you guys this will be released and uh lots of other exciting van videos that are to come i'm excited to see the van adventures lots to come will will will's about to pop off on the youtube game i can 
I can tell. So you guys go uh, go support them and um, follow along with it. Appreciate and, that, Scotty. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you kind of enjoyed this BTS look into the trip, and uh, we'll see y'all next time. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching, guys. Peace.